Welcome back to the United Pubcast for your Sunday therapy session. As usual, as um, sort of comes with the times in supporting Manchester United, this is our weekly edition um, discussing the absolute disaster away at Brentford, Brentford, Brighton, all those clubs. Easy victories, unfortunately, against Man United, but we will try and dissect the bones and, as said, not put a feel-good factor on it because I think that is impossible at the moment. But hopefully after this chat, obviously got Josh and Borche with us. I might have one or two additions later on in the show as well. Hopefully you feel a little bit better um, after the show. Please do leave a like on the video if you sort of braved the conditions and got up at 2.30 a.m. to watch the match. Or if you went to the match at Brentford or wherever you are around the world, it would be greatly appreciated and really cheer us up. If you could leave a like on the video and if you are new, if you could subscribe, that would be great. But I've got Josh back on the podcast with us and Borche from the Football Capital and his um, channel is in the description below. So go give him a follow. And I'll start with you, Borche. Um, we'll discuss a little bit before we went on air. What do you want to talk about? What's the feeling in regards to do you want to talk football? Do you want to talk owners? Do you want to talk anything else? Because we've ha- had this discussion so many times. So I don't know whether to have the same discussion, to have the same discussion with a different spin on it. Is there something new to discuss that I haven't been aware of? I'm just lost for words. Yeah, I'm with you, Tom. I'm with you. I don't know where to begin as well, but let's start on the football. Let's start on the football because we know every conversation about this club ends up at the owners anyways. So let's let's start with the football. And you thought from last week, the performance there, you thought there had to be some sort of bounce back, anything. Even even early on in in the season, let's get the results, especially with the new manager, let's get these results on the board. Let's get the three points and work on the philosophy, work on the whatever tactics the manager is putting out at the moment, work on that um, throughout the year. I told you, my my prediction for United or what I expected for this season was let's not focus on when we finish on the table, but the football needs to get better. So if we come eight, but there's progression in the football, then that's cool. But at the moment, I don't know, it's, it's like these players, it's like these players turn on a switch and they're completely... It's, it's like we were the team that came up last season, not Brentford. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? So I, I don't even know where you begin. Like, you you know the philosophy that the manager wants to play. We've seen the last week, Maguire, every time playing out from the back, too slow. Decision-making takes forever. You should already be thinking, you know, it's a goal kick. When it's a goal kick, you better be looking around. My next pass is going to go to him. It's already been orchestrated in training. Yeah. When I get the ball, the ball's going to go play to him. Uh, whether Fred or, or Ericsson in this, in this case drops in, this player makes a run. Everyone knows where, where to, or should know where to go. Maguire gets the ball. He stops play for five seconds and then makes a decision. There was already a warning sign in the first game. Already yeah. a warning sign when he had to kick it out or kick it into their player um, early on. And then we, then, we cop, then we cop that sort of goal. All right, David De Gea, questionable again. You've made more errors leading up to goals than any other goalkeeper in world football, and you're the most expensive goalkeeper. That has to be looked at. That has mm. to be looked at. This window, we've got three weeks. Get well, there's, there's a few reports coming out in regards to goal, and Ten Hag obviously has other priorities, but in regards to maybe increasing whatever budget he does have his, at his disposal in regards to bringing in a potential sort of reserve goalkeeper to challenge David De Gea. But, Josh, just on that point, Borche makes there in regards to Let's keep this football related because obviously this discussion later on will go um, into different sort of avenues. But I'm just thinking, can we put? I'm not. I'm not doing this because I've seen this over the last ten years. But specifically to Eric Ten Hag in the start of this season, can we put it down to two off days? Now I'm not doing that. But in regards to the preseason, was good. There was good football. There was good signs in preseason and what Eric Ten Hag was trying to implement. Suddenly, 
the ball's been kicked in sort of for real when points are up for grabs and it looks the furthest thing from what we saw in pre-season. So there was progression, there was development. Suddenly there's not any more. Can it just be two off days? No, I don't think it is. But is there a case of, obviously we are going to overreact a little bit as fans. Now we're in drastic circumstances at the moment. I think the overreaction is justified in this sort of circumstance. But football-wise, is there cause for concern in regards to what Eric Ten Hag is trying to do? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look, you can have two off days in, 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 you know, in any season. You can have off games where you've just been lucky not to win. I think what United demonstrated yesterday was just absolute naivety on and off the ball. You look at, you know, United going 1-0 down in the past and you think, OK, it's going to stay 1-0 down. Maybe go 2-0 down, but, you know, you back yourself to proper fight. To capitulate 4-0 after 35 minutes is nothing short of disgraceful. Some of the football we were playing as well, you know, trying to pass from the back when we two or three nil down. Rob puts, puts it great over there in the comments. The team's absolutely spineless. I think the thing for me, what resonated for me in the game, which was absolutely just out of this world, was Bournemouth set pieces. Pinpoint probably about two or three occasions where they had a corner. And the opposition, they were taking two or three touches in the box without anyone closing them down. I don't think I've ever seen that in my lifetime with United. You know, allowing the opposition to say to a you know a decent team would have been scoring them. You know, just on that point, um, yeah, two or three touches passing yeah. it down. Oh, shocking! Just about Borchard, Just that point, Josh. There makes in regards to he sort of alluded to Rob's comments there in regards to team is spineless. Once what was it thirty four minutes or whatever it was in terms of those four goals were scored after the first goal. Now, I wasn't saying, okay, Brentford has got three quick goals here and it's going to be 4-0 before half-time. But ultimately, the, the signs were there after that first goal. No one could really be genuinely, if you sort of sit back and have a sort of level-headed think about it, there's no shock we'll 4-0 down at half-time. Once that first goal went in, there was that capitulation. It was fully expected. Now, we can sort of pinpoint reasons for this in terms of players aren't good enough, no leadership in the team, the captaincy issue around Harry Maguire, the, all these different issues, but... Rob's there saying the team is spineless and as soon as that one bit of pressure pre-season in front of fans across the world or one you autograph yeah it's, it's nice and easy there when points up for grabs at Old Trafford or, or in the English Premier League as soon as she'd hit the fan the players just yeah, they don't have it they don't have what it takes it's a, it's a mentality thing you can have you can have all the quality in the world but if you don't have the mentality it, it's just it's not going to happen for you and we've you've seen it with players um uh, let's just say like Angel Gomez, he was meant to be one uh, a prospect coming through through the academy. Didn't have the mentality. Yeah, um, Ravel Morrison, same thing. The, the great player. A lot of a lot of the legends of our club were saying this kid was gonna was meant to be the one of the greatest players from what they seen from him in training. What happened? Doesn't have these players don't have the mentality. And they and to to think the our starting eleven, your Rashford's, your Ronaldo's, your Sancho. Um, Bruno and the, and then the rest of them, Varane, De Gea, especially for them not to have the mentality week in week out to put in these these sort of performances. I don't even know where we go from here. You got three weeks of the window shuts. You, they these owners, I know we're already there. See, already at the owners, they need to come. They need to show up. They need to show face and say what's happening here. Any business oh, top, yeah. we're running any sort of business you run. Doesn't matter if it's it's a football club or a corner store. Yeah. If the, the if something's not going right, you don't you don't start. Oh yeah, you, it's your workers or it's the manager. The owners has to come knocking. And go, hey, what's what's the go? What's happening here? 
Why are we getting results? Thing. It's a two two way thing though, isn't it? I mean, like us as fans, you know, we, we get really excited when you know you hear something in the news. Eric Ten Hag demands players eat together. Great, love to hear it. Show some team unity. At the end of the day, I want to see good football. And and this team does not have the brain cells to play the philosophy of the philosophy of football Ten Hag wants. And it, it really demonstrated yesterday, specifically around playing at the back. I get I get what you're saying. It's just, yeah, it's just never ending. What does there look? There's a few people in the live chat who do appreciate. Apologies for not getting to too many comments. Um, there we're flying in, and that conversation just sort of got the ball rolling. So I did stick with the conversation, but do get your comments in, and I'll try and get to as many as possible. Um, just in regards to there, in regards to Eric Ten Hag, Borche, in regards to okay, we talk about our players and their ability to play out from the back, and okay, that is what Eric Ten Hag wants to do. That's great. Is he doing it with the players he wants? Probably not. But there is a respect and you can understand a manager in sticking true to his guns. That That's how he wants to play football. He definitely has that now, De Gea, and that obviously at times you can say they do sort of agree, okay, run push up, we'll pump it long. That's obviously not what Eric Ten Hag wants. But there were times, case in point, the second goal, Christian Eriksen, now I'm not going to go too hard on Christian Eriksen because I've been in the field there when you come and get the ball off your goalkeeper or something. It's a worse place. Now Eriksen must do far better. You could imagine the reaction if that was a Fred or a McTominay losing the ball in that situation. I think Ericsson should do better, but ultimately put in a shock in position by um, David De Gea and the rest of the defence. But what does Eric Ten Hag do now? Because points on the his job is on the line, wrongly so, but his job is on the line. So what does he do? Does he stick to that? Does he tell David, David mm-hmm. De Gea, Luton Shaw and Harry Maguire to keep playing? Or does he say, no, launch it? Stick, stick to the plan. You need to stick but to the plan. But is that going to be another six or seven, five nil defeats? If that, don't start him. This is now where he has to go. All right, two games in a row, you let me down. This is not how I want to play. I mean, this is how I do want to play, but these errors, you saw that second error. David De Gea had all the time in the world. Maguire took forever. These guys are pressing. They're mark- man-marking anyone, uh, everyone. When yeah. when Ericsson comes in to show for the ball, you don't pass it to Ericsson. You skip lines and you give it to whoever was behind him there, whether it was Fred or Ronaldo was tucked in or whatever. That's where you play the pass. Everyone else is marked. But the, the, these decisions need to be made quicker. You need to see the play three steps or two steps at least ahead of when you receive the ball. You need, he needs to stick to his guns, right? He needs to if, – if Varane can play – because a lot of people are saying, why is Maguire playing and Varane's on the bench? Let's not forget, Varane just is coming back from an injury. Last time, Oli brought him in um, well, uh, just after he was injured. He got in, re-injured again, right? So we don't, we, we, we don't want that to happen. We seen it when Klopp came in. He had a system. Liverpool were conceding three goals – but they had the bottle and the, and, and the nails to come back and create and score five. And that season, they did it how many times? What happened? He got, his, he got some of his players in. The next season, a bit better. Them, a lot of them goals with, with Van Dyke and uh, Allison in the back, a lot of them three goals turned into one goals or two goals. And then the next season, you can barely now score against them. You've got to stick to the plan. What happened with, with Pep? Pep had the luxury of... Um, Joe Hart, not good enough to play out from the back. You're getting Claudio Bravo. After one season, you're gone as well. He has the luxury, right? Fair enough. Well, why can't we do the same? Well, you, that, you, you say that's a luxury. It, it shouldn't be a luxury. We're Manchester United. That, that, we we should have the same right. In terms of everyone else in the league, Pep probably, like, Klopp probably didn't have that luxury to, to you know, get rid of Allison after one season or you know, Arsenal probably won't have that luxury to get rid of a, a whatever, 50 million, whatever the keeper was bought at the time. They don't have the luxury. Us, we need to be like, hey, you're the you're the most you get paid the most out of all the keepers in the world, and it's 
Clanger after Clanger. Why do you think the whole Brentford team is in our six-yard box? Because David De Gea can't catch a cold. He can't demand his box. We've said so many times he can't do it. Get someone else in. Why is this guy still our goalkeeper? I know we all love him because last season he saves us. He only saves us because of our defensive shit. Everyone, when, when he gets that, the shot stopping, yeah, it's great. What was that first goal? Get your hand to it. That should be stopped with your feet. Last week against Brentford, the first oh, goal. The, the, the saves. I've no issue. Well, I have an issue when he lets a goal in like that. In terms of shot stopping, when he makes a mistake, shot stopping wise, I've got no issue because he even makes ten thousand other say it, It's the issues with the feet that I can understand and accept. Issues with the hands. If he, if he lets one in through his legs, well, he saved ten thousand that he shouldn't have saved. So I, I can afford him that opportunity for mistakes. I don't like it. I don't. I share my frustration. My issues with David de Gea, and not in regards to a priority in selling him, is the potential suitability to playing in an Eric Ten Hag system. I'm, yeah, I'm not saying get rid of him, but bring yeah. someone else in. Then now you've got Tom Heaton as the guy that's applying the pressure on the hair. Are you yeah. kidding me? When when um, Henderson came in, who's, who started playing better? David De Gea. Nah, I'm the number one keeper. He saved our asses how many times? Now that he's the only keeper again this season, yeah. howler after howler. And that's the thing. No. Like, how many, how many times is it, are we going to be talking about David De Gea? Can't play out from the back. Distribution is rubbish. Every time, every time we, we're up, we have a corner that in our six-yard box. Why? It's obvious why. Every team knows it. You got a you got a team that's come up from the championship last year, last season. Yeah, no worries. We got a corner. We're in the box. And how many times do we concede? No matter. And I, I see I see a lot of it in the comments and in, in um, um on Twitter and all that about Martinez. When was the last time ever? In football history, was a, a centre back's height mentioned ever? Because in mm. 2006, when Italy won the the World Cup and Cannavaro got the the Ballon d'Or, no one said anything about his five nine height. Well, it, it's my next point. I, I want to discuss Martinez. Oh. It's a good good segue. And look, I completely agree, Borce. But let me touch on that uh, another thing. Because last season, last season when we when we conceded that it was that Villa game where Bruno missed the penalty, they scored 88th minute. Um, Paul Pogba's on the on the on the post. And Cavani, the smallest guy, is marking the tallest player. So what, what's the difference here? What's, yeah. And we still consider the goal. There's no difference. Now that Arsenal wasn't complaining when or mentioning the height when he was their priority signing for Arteta, his no. height wasn't mentioned. Kunde's height for when he was linked to Chelsea and now at Barca, 5'9", 5'10", as well. No one mentioned his height. But now, all of a sudden, these guys... Well, like, at this point, and look, I just want to throw Martinez in there because as you, you mentioned, you mentioned the Arsenal links here and Scott from um, It's a Football Thing. Um, good to see you, mate. Obviously, here after a Man United loss, but you are more than welcome. Uh, make sure you do go and follow It's a Football Thing live on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Um, it says here, I um, saw this exact, exact issue with playing out from the back early under Mikel Arteta, insisted on the philosophy without the personnel, got to stick the guns and get players who will do it. So in regards to players who will do it, Josh, we're, we're just talking about Martinez there. In regards to, I'm with Borche, I, I don't buy into the in I buy into the physicality in regards to football and whole, not the heading ability, because obviously you can t- tear up stats where uh, Martinez is more aerial sort of Sort of superior to other defenders. I, I don't. I just think the physicality in general, in terms of running, winning duels, how, how your fitness holds up in things. That's where my. I don't have concerns, but my questions are towards Lissandro Martinez. But in regards to there, in terms of playing out from the back, Martinez is one of those players who's come in. Obviously, an Eric Ten Hag signing. Is that is that enough, Eric Ten Hag, to continue to play that way? Because he's got one of his tools in there now. Even if Diego Delo, Harry Maguire, David De Gea, Luke Shaw can't do that, like how do you see it going forward? Um, with Eric Ten Hag trying to get his message across to players who seemingly aren't capable. I see you got to stick by your guns. Um, 100% agree with that point. But 
looking to, I know hindsight's a fine thing and, you know, people can say you're only saying that because we lost 4-0 yesterday. But I said, I said at the start, I had a conversation with my dad a couple of hours before kickoff, and I said we should have played, we should, we should have started with five at the back yesterday. And Martinez sort of was like a holding, not so much in midfield, but holding sort of the, the two centre-backs. It's it's a fine thing, hindsight, and look, I think he's definitely got the capabilities to play with, with the philosophy of um, Eric. I think moving on to the point with back to the point with the keeper as well. You mentioned that you know De Gea doesn't have the capabilities to play out at the back, and I think you you raised an interesting point on Twitter. Time United just needs to be you know just get the balls out and literally just get rid of the players that aren't aren't yeah. good enough. Well, that, that, that was my next. That was my next point. I was going to throw to Borche, and you can put your two cents in as well, Josh. But in regards to, I, I need action today. I, I need something from the club to come out and do something. Now, a lot of the people will sort of see that as a signing. Go sign a Frankie Dion, get Rabiot across the line, buy a new goalkeeper. In my opinion, yes, I'm not going to say no to that because I think we do need investment. My issue, which I play leaning more towards in regards to action, is some, make a statement, and the statement for me is sell someone. Sell someone who yeah. you're not expecting. So exactly. I'm going to use. I'm not. I hate using this Marcus Rashford term in regards to. I feel like I scapegoat him a little bit. I try not to. But Marcus Rashford, if he's flirting with PSG, call his butler. Okay, go to PSG. I think that'll send shockwaves around football around Manchester United. Okay, well, hang on. They're willing to get rid of the golden child in Marcus Rashford. I think that is almost more important than signing a player. I think now. I'm not saying Marcus Rashford should be sold. I'm not saying he should be sold. I think it would be almost chaos at the moment, really, in regards to some of our options, especially in the attacking third of the pitch. However, we, we talked about the investment. Ralph Rangnick, how many clips of Ralph Rangnick have we seen over the last 24 hours in terms of he was right in regards to saying this team needs open-heart surgery? Yes, we need 10 players to come in. But if 10 players are coming in, that means 10 players need to leave. And not, we haven't had 10 players leave. Okay, a few people left on free transfers, but were they sort of big parts of the squad? Probably not. So I look at it here, and let's, that, that might be Cristiano Ronaldo. Get rid of Ronaldo tomorrow. That might be the issue. It might be Marcus Rashford. It might be Luke Shaw. I think Luke Shaw is a possibility. No, I don't think it's a possibility of being sold, but it's somewhere where you could look. So, Borcha, in terms of that, obviously the signings are important. Oh, they're so important. However, if you had to pick, if you're going to your head at the moment, sell a big player or sign a big player now, uh, what's the bigger statement or the more important statement? I think sign the player. If all these players want to leave, Rashford, what you want, you want PSG? I don't think so. You are part of the team that is the worst Manchester United team ever in history. No worries. Go with the 21s. I don't want to see you. Sancho, you too. England, you want to play for England in the World Cup? Sit on the bench. These Ronaldo, you want to leave? No, no. Sit on my bench too. You can come here sitting down as well. I'll play I'll play Ganacha. I'll play the kids, whatever. These guys are the reason why we're, we're in the position as well. I want to sell them. Don't give them what they want. What, so Rashford can go play Champions League? And win leagues and win titles like all the other guys that we sent Ashley Youngs that weren't good enough and uh, who else went to Inter uh, Sanchez and who else was there uh, Lukaku yeah, Lukaku the, th the three of them went and, and Damian Damian went there and, and who who else they're all winning trophies they all had the photo together no no not this time around use are all on the contract pull your heads in pull your heads in or go with the reserves and I'll get them guys in. If they're going to listen and they're going to follow the philosophy, I would not give these guys the opportunity to go to a club, play Champions League football. PSG, you're going to win the league. That's a trophy there. You're going to go somewhere like Bayern Munich or I don't know where the, all these other guys' players want, want to go or where who would want to buy them anyways. I wouldn't let them go. The biggest statement for me is you are not going to play Champions League football. You're going to go with the under-21s. See you later. Yeah. I think the, big, I think the biggest problem though is you've got you've – got, it's easy to send you. We need to get rid of these players. I 100% agree with you. You know, if you don't want to be at the club, F off. 
honestly. And, and look, Pep, I don't want to compare it to City, but the ballsiest statement Guardiola made when he first came to City was get rid of the keeper that, you know, a lot of players, I know he had his, his critics, but a lot of, you know, fans, players saw him as world-class and that was Joe Hart. And it proved that proved to be one, probably one of the best decisions he's made in football for that club. Yeah. For United, you know, it's easier said than done signing a player now or getting rid of a player now. But look, we're, we're two weeks away from or three weeks away from transfer deadline day. We've played two games of the Premier League season. We've lost an aggregate six goals to one. What's the attraction to come to the club now? Who in their right mind of decent quality that's going to make our club better? I don't have money, but of quality. Of quality. Of, of players that are going to make our club better. Who's going to come in now at this stage? Great, like easier said and done. Sell, sell players that don't want to be there. But I think the ownership and the hierarchy, I don't think they'll allow that to happen. At this I think stage. an interesting point in regards to bringing those players, who's going to want to come? And we always have that issue or there's a narrative, okay, if we don't have the Champions League, will players come without the Champions League? And maybe maybe United can sell it. Well, come here for one season, win the Europa League, get top four, you'll be back in the Champions League. Now, yes, it's two games. It's very early in the league, but you're an idiot if you're not looking at the table already. Can we make the Champions League next season? The money would say no. So if you sign a Frankie de Jong, say, yeah, you're going to be in the Champions League next season, he'll say, hang on, you might be in the Championship next season, let alone the Champions League. So I think it's a very risky move. We might have to go in and get loans with an option to buy it. Yep. Hey. Where were Arsenal this time last season? I'll tell you what, I take where Arsenal yeah. finished last season at this stage. Oh, no, look, look you're completely right. And as I said, I think we have a right to not overreact, but the right to be very emotional at the moment. It is two games. Now, unfortunately, as people have mentioned in the comments, Liverpool's our next game. So we could very well be going zero points from nine. But there's a comment here, Borche, from Dion. And yes, we have tried to keep this football related. And I think we've done a pretty good job with that. But he's saying getting caught up in the game of blaming um, this player or that player is missing the point, which look, I completely agree with. However, I think we are all, which I agree, Dion, but also there are individuals who did the sort of being held accountable. But on that board chain, in regards to moving this away from the football pitch, and, and we do have to tie the football football pitch still into this discussion, but what can be done like in terms of, okay, we know, okay, new owners, okay, that's not going to happen. Now, there is a, a little bit of a story out there. I don't really buy it at the moment. So what, what can be done? Because my hands are tied and I have no control. I, I don't know what the right answer is for Richard Arnold. Go out and buy the player who... We're going to be spending too much money on by a player who doesn't want to be here. Eric Ten Hag plays someone who's not suitable, play a kid who's not ready. I just don't see what the right answer is. We all do start in 11s before the game and say, this will work. None of it works. Whatever start in 11 we put out, ultimately we're going to look back at the end of the 90 minutes and go, hang on, that's not good enough. He shouldn't be playing. So there's no right answer for me. So give me some hope on what anyone can do. A player, a manager, a board-level member, what can happen? Exactly. Where, where do you begin? I think... Against Liverpool, stop the game again. Stop the game, and it's not because we're going to get smashed. It's not. It's not. It's not the purpose of oh, we're going to get pumped six seven nil. That's not the case. Another statement. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Make a statement. Make sure the game doesn't go ahead. Invade the pitch. Get get points deducted. Make sure they get hit with a fine. The guys over there in America, make sure they get hit with a fine. And then the next home game, same thing. I don't give a fuck if we start. Sorry to swear. I don't care if we're on minus twenty points. 30 points, but make sure every time they happens, 100,000, 100,000, 100,000, there's a fine. And when they start checking, they're, hey, hold on a minute. What's, what's happening here? Is that going to make them realize? Let's hit the, let's get these what you? deductions and make sure the games don't go ahead. When they, when they, when away games, these players, if, if another away game, there's seven games, seven away games in a row now, all lost. We've taken yeah. L's, seven in a row. 
next home game, next away game. Yeah. Make sure the bus doesn't leave. You don't want to train after five o'clock. Make sure you have to exit at, at Carrington. Don't leave to 10 p.m. Well, on that point, Josh, on that point, Borchami, which look, I completely agree with in terms of now, I'm selfish. I'm here at three o'clock in the morning. I want to see Man United play. But ultimately, the bigger picture is there. How can we sort of implement change? And that is obviously putting um, as much pressure on the Glazers as physically possible. And the, a huge issue, which we did see amongst the European Super League, that fallout was the match against Liverpool was postponed. Now, obviously, we're not sitting here sort of condoning sort of unruly sort of protests and sort of thing. But in terms of the idea of protest, we're am, all fully behind. I am. I am. But, but, but in regards to... It's, not that's not going to achieve there. anything. I'll be but, because but, but that's, that's not going to achieve anything. I, I think it needs to be it needs to be done the right way. Yeah, but the right way, the, the fans have been... We've been patient. I've come in optimistic. We've been patient. What's the right way? The right yeah, no, I, I, I don't know the right way, but but I, I know I know the fans getting on the wrong side of the media, the fans getting on the wrong side of the club is not going to help. So United, United are too big to, to mount any any protest, and that's just the scale of our fan base. I mean, you ask like fans to boycott a game, yeah, you know, like I reckon a good proportion you'd see a lot of empty seats, but United are massive, and you know the fans that come overseas or the fans that you know really want to experience yeah. they don't give a shit, they don't give a shit, they you know they want. Funny, it's funny scenario, right? Our, our friends, your co-host Larry's in England, or he was in England at the moment, right? They say you go to him and you say, you know what, Larry, you're not been told, you're not been told traffic in three, four, five, six years, however long it is. You know, I want you to boycott this game. It's first time in England in six years. You think you'd do it? Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a yeah. big, it's a big, it's a big ask for a lot yeah, of fans. Exactly it's right. It's and it's hard, and you can't tell you can't tell fans that oh, just cancel your your season tickets. It's very hard to do. Do you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, and like I get it, the whole don't buy the kits and don't buy merchandise. Yeah, I, I did it for 10 years. Didn't buy a single kit for 10 years. Or not the, not the original ones. And what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. I, I did my part. Still nothing happened. Like you, Everyone can choose to support their club however they want. That's up, to, that's up to everyone else, right? That's why the games need to be, somehow the games need to be stopped. You need to stop the games because then I get it. Fans come from overseas. They probably spent a fortune to, to come and watch that one game, and it gets cancelled. So be it. You stop, you stop the game. You stop the game. So when you get a point deduction, what? What I mean, you know, they, they threaten point deductions. Yeah, we're rubbish anyway. We're probably not going to go any higher than 10th, 11th. But you know what? Hindsight's a fine thing, and I, I quite fancied the, you know a season in the championship, cracking away games. Oh, look, how long have I been saying that, Josh? Yeah. How long have I been saying? And look, I don't want to be losing games to sort of warrant a place in the championship. But ultimately, I think. And what do you think in this regard, Borche? Here we are, sort of. I don't like to call us a fan channel, but I guess on YouTube talking, it's kind of a fan channel. In regards to, I think. Look, I love Manchester United fans. As I said, we're down in Melbourne, and the, the, my favourite thing about Manchester United isn't the football, isn't the players, is sort of hanging out with mates and fellow Manchester United fans. However. I do have, a, whether it's a dislike or a, I'm not sure what the correct wording is, but towards a large section of our fan base on how they support the club, how they maybe their behaviour towards um, certain things in regards to the club. I would love nothing more than a season in the championship, which would weed out, I think, and maybe tell me this is an overreaction, Borche. I think if Manchester United went to the championship, I think a good, maybe this is over the top, but I would say 65 70% of fans would leave. Now, that would leave a 30%, 40% core of Manchester United fans who love the club, who would stay with the club and support them through thick and thin. Now, I would love nothing more to sort of get rid of that part of the fan base. Now, obviously, Man United aren't going to play in the championship. I don't want Man United to get relegated, but there are 
positives which I'm clinging to in this sort of horrible state we're in at the moment. But in regards to that, okay, get games called off. I, I agree with the sentiment. It's something that if action is taken off the back of that, I fully agree with and I like it. If that's not going to happen, as I say, Manchester United are very prepared. They saw what happened with that Super League match. They're very prepared to sort of stop things like that happening. Now players will get to the ground three hours earlier and they will play behind closed doors if they have to to suit the TV money. What visual can Man United do? Okay, protesting down so much Busby Way, that's fantastic. Get behind it, show your support. There's a bit of report. I don't know how reliable this is. It has happened in other countries to quite good effect tennis balls at Old Trafford. Look like they could potentially be involved against the Liverpool uh, match. Um, tennis balls will be thrown on the pitch. That'll be a visual. But is there any type of visual or the only visual is empty seats? Any, like, let's be real, yeah? Like I, I say all these things, yeah? I, I, they will probably not happen. In terms of visuals, empty seats, is it is anything really going to change? In 2005, the protests in, two, in 05, you know, people are calling them biblical. And what happened? They still bought the club. So they don't, they don't, they, 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 yeah, that's exactly right. Like, they don't care. They need to they, – their pockets need to be hit hard. And and it's is that stopping the games, not getting the revenue? People are still going to go to the games. You can't tell people not to go. Like like Josh well, is saying, Juris is coming – a lot of them don't care. Like, like, like I see. You know when kids go, kids, kids only want the shirt. Like little kids, young kids, they want the. Shirt. They don't, they don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Oh yeah, we're losing, but yeah, I still like Man. I still like Rashford. I still like Ronaldo. They're still selling Ronaldo shirts. And the parents are still going to buy their shirts for their kids, and that's that's not going to change. In, in terms of a visual, I just don't know. I don't know. What else can what else can be done? What are we, do we go back with the planes? We just keep flying planes over of glazers out. Hasn't worked in the past. <laughs> it didn't. It, it barely worked with getting trying to get Wenger out at Arsenal with the planes and everything in and and uh, what do you call it and um, Moyes and all that. Like it's just uh, I don't I don't I don't know where we go, bro. I really well, don't. Do, I don't you you mentioned Arsenal there and Scott from its football thing, uh, football thing here saying the whole stopping games um, thing will make a statement but it could throw your club into an even bigger hole, totally turn on Eric Ten Hag, disenfranchise the whole squad. So yeah, just, just on that point. That's what should happen. Like Ten Hag, if, if he's not back in this window now, in three weeks, if he doesn't get players in, he should walk. Ten Hag should walk. Yes, should yeah, not, that, that, that would be a bigger statement now, Josh, now Eric Ten Hag's no, not, not going to not, walk. However... But that would should. be the ideal statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah potentially. Right. But that's to not going to happen. He's getting paid. Yeah, to save his own career. You know what? Hold on a minute. They sacked this guy. Oh, no, for forget his career. Look, you're completely right, but forget his career. The statement that would make to Man United in yeah, terms yeah, of this exactly. new big manager walking out, I think that would you know, talk about getting games called off. I think the manager walking out is even 10 times bigger than that. But, Josh, in regards to that, this will trickle down to on the field. And obviously, at the end of the day, we're playing Liverpool in a couple of days' time. Okay, do we want empty seats? Do we want the game on? When the game kicks off, we want to win. We're not thinking about Glazers. We're not thinking about players' wages. We want the red shirts to beat the other shirts. That's what we want. How is this going to trickle down into ultimately what we're sort of the start of this podcast with Eric Ten Hag and his implementing his sort of football on this team? It's not something he needs. Now, it's something the club needs, and it's, the club is bigger than Eric Ten Hag going forward. But at the moment, this is a hell of a distraction and it's not helping him. Not at all. I mean, it, it, whatever happens against Liverpool, for me, is a lose-lose situation. You get the fans protesting it, but you might achieve something in the short term and that's a small win. I think ultimately that'll just have a knock-on effect of what happens on the pitch. I can't see... Look, I, can, I can't see anything positive happening. On the other side, you could say, halt the protest, get behind the fans, get behind the team, give a great atmosphere. I still think Liverpool are a better team than us and we'll win on the day anyway. 
So it's, it's, it's a lose-lose situation for me. Results or, yeah. or, or process. It's, it's going to get a lot... We said this last year and it's a statement we're going to say for probably a long time now, but it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Well, Borche, on that point, Borche, um, Josh makes it in regards to... We, we saw this last season when there was a bit of sort of unrest. Rafael Varane, Jadon Sancho, and then ultimately Cristiano Ronaldo walks through the door. Quiet from the fans. And I understand, like, the excitement building towards um, the start of last season, you could understand that, but ultimately the fan base, as I say, failed, but kind of let the ball slip. Frankie Dion walks through the door tomorrow, or uh, uh, they sell Scott or Tomine and Fred for $100 million. Will the fans go quiet, or do you think we're at the stage now, regardless of results, regardless of shiny new toys, do you think the hat's over the wall, and no matter what, even if we win our next 15 games, do you think now the situation is done, that every fan will keep their eye on the ball now? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I don't think now you could get some miracle Mbappe comes in, Neymar comes joins him as well, and you know what? Messi as well wants to come in you know, the last dance with Ronaldo, and I don't think I don't think any 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 fan is buying it anymore. I just don't think they're buying you, it. You, you're right, but, but then I talk about that seventy percent. I, I talk about weeding those those fans out. Do you think potentially? Well, we say that in terms of proper fans. Yes, we'll keep our eye on the ball. Yes, but for the majority of the fan base, and we talk about the majority, it is a huge majority in terms of hardcore proper fan. I don't want to use proper fans as a disrespectful way, but I think everyone knows what I mean. It's a very small percentage in terms of who the Glazers pander to and who the Glazers target and who the board do sort of want to interact with in terms of that majority of the fan base, I think they would, they would potentially would cave. If it, not, obviously, Mbappe is not going to sign, but if an Mbappe or a Neymar or Messi came in, I think potentially they would um, sort of go quiet. Yeah, yeah, possibly, but there has to be results. There has yeah. to be results. Like you said, if there's 15 games, if there's 15 games that, that we win on the back of that, or if just, all right, let's just say, let's be realistic. They get, even Anthony Dion comes in and I don't know, Timba, for example, comes in now, you know, the, la the last couple of days of the transfer window and we see, we start seeing results, but also the football's getting better. Then you, you still got to have these reservations. Why are we getting this done early? These guys were the first first place to get linked. That should have been getting over, done over the line. But still questions need to be asked of this this whole... Because to be honest, I gave him a chance in terms of the new directors and the board and uh, Richard Arnold. They're saying all the right stuff. They don't want to splash the cash and just get rinsed. I was on board with that. You, but you went to the pub. You went to the pub with these guys. You said that we're backing the manager. We did all that. Nah, forget it. You lied again. You lied again. Where's Fletcher? Where's Fletcher in all this? You on the bench once, then you're in the you're you're meant to be a scout or you're a director. Where are you now in all this mess? Show your face. You wanted to be on the touchline directing uh plays to the players. Where are you now? And on, on that point, Borche makes there, Josh, in regards to Darren Fletcher. And look, look, I completely agree, but I find Darren Fletcher is one of a sort of a club legend in my eyes and someone I have the utmost respect for. I find it hard to go in on, but I completely share the frustration. I do have the same questions. But Josh, the issue on Darren Fletcher. What does he do? Is he director of the football? Is he a coach? Or whatever he's doing, in my opinion, this comes on not Eric Ten Hag in a critical way, but Eric Ten Hag, next press conference, Simon Stone, ask a question, Eric Ten Hag, what does Darren Fletcher do? What do you want him to do? And Eric Ten Hag, I think he comes across very honest in his interview. He should come out and say, I don't know what he does, almost like what Ralph Rangie does, or he's doing this, or no, I want him as a coach. And that'll just give clarity, whether we like it or don't like it, it'll give clarity. But there is so much sort of mud in the water around Darren Fletcher. And Darren Fletcher is not the issue with Manchester United, but it's just another sort of issue. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just the thing to be like, what, okay, what really are you? Do you know what I mean? Like you're meant to be scouting the players or you're meant to be coaching the players or where are you meant to be here? Like why are you here? Why has Ralph 
gone, why has he walked or been sacked? Because you're here. You haven't had this experience. Ralphie's built clubs before. He's been linked to all these players that everyone wanted. Liverpool's got, uh, Liverpool got, um, what do you call it? Darwin Nunes, all right, whatever people might think of him. Uh, Vlahovic went to, to what do you call it, to Juve. Alvarez went to the City. All these players that Ralph wanted, all of a sudden the whole world wants them. So who's who's scouting for us then? Where's his scout? Yeah. That's my that's my whole thing. What is he doing? Or where are these scouts? Who are they it's identifying? Easy, it's easy to blame. It's easy to blame Fletcher when you don't when you like, when you don't know what his position is. And I think that goes for the point of the, the recent hirings we've got as, as coaching staff. I mean, look, we recently got Benny McCarthy as a, as a coach. Tom Huddleston's coaching on the twenty ones. And you look at players like that, and you, Tom Huddleston. I think he could do a job. Thing. He, he could do a job in midfield. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, you got to start somewhere with coaching. I mean, on the twenty ones, it's not. There's nothing in that for me. Benny McCarthy. Benny McCarthy. I get. Like you look when you when you get a coach for an elite club like United, you want you want to be hearing you know this this person's coached under Guardiola or coached under Klopp or he's had, he's had some sort of good sort of education behind him. It's and that sort of. I think for me that's a knock-on effect for Fletcher. You're seeing, you know, you're getting these coaches in. Well, what's Fletcher doing? Is he is he up there? Is he down there? Is he is he on the pitch? Is he is he coaching? It's well, that, that's it's what I mean. Like, it wasn't, about. yeah, it wasn't really blaming Fletcher for anything. It's a question like, bro, we need help. What like you're from my understanding? If I go on Wikipedia, you're your sporting director or you're some sort of director. So we need help now. A football director is yeah. meant to help out the manager in terms of bringing players in. I haven't seen any of that. I haven't seen him being mentioned in any any scout thingies or trying to bring players in or doing or meeting with players or anything like that. That's that, that's I, the thing. Like he might not be. It's the other Who's that Myrtle or whoever? Myrtle madness, your Myrtle sadness at the moment for everyone here. I don't know what they're doing, man. I just don't understand. But it's just even brings a point up here. And you have you have the conversation in the pub with Richard Arnold. What was that? Two two or was it Myrtle? Whoever it was. Two or two or three months ago, and he has that conversation with the fans of the pub. And he's like, we're burning, we're burning money, we're burning money, right? And you want to, do you, do you, do you mean, are we, do we get to a stage now that we want to do the same thing now? We want to burn money on players to get them in the door? Or do we still want to stand by what he said? You know what? The right players not come, we don't sign them. It's, it's, it's yeah. a lose-lose situation. But I, th- I think both points you sort of alluded to in regards to the, the criticism isn't so much directed at Fletcher personally. It's in regards to someone say what his job is. Because as I say, he might as I see this comment here from Iman Noah Milk and the job more than Darren Fletcher, Fletcher the fraud. Now, that, that's why I don't like to go into in regards to him because Iman and I were outside um, the hotel in Melbourne looking for Darren Fletcher's autograph. So I'll, I definitely don't want to go into the sort of side of calling him a fraud because he might be doing his job to perfection. We just don't know what his job is. And that is where I need someone above him or Eric Ten Hag to come in and say, this is what he does. If the answer is I have no no idea what he does, come out and say that and give the fans clarity because at the moment, here we are, scapegoating individuals. Suddenly we've gone on to Darren Fletcher's the issue with the club. Now, no, no one's saying that. But it kind of that's how this conversation is going. Suddenly, in five minutes, we go. No, Marcus Rashford's the issue. Harry Maguire's the issue. Ultimately, everything's the issue. But it, one, there's been one constant. Darren Fletcher's come and gone. Marcus Rashford's come and gone. Harry Maguire will come and go. There has been one constant over the last decade. Even before that, even like the last couple of years under Sir Alex Ferguson, he papered over the cracks. There's been one constant. And ultimately, well, we sit here and we all know this. So it's so frustrating because we can't fix it. Maybe we can fix it. Who knows? But ultimately, until that changes upstairs, we're going to always have these little issues which we're 
the Glazers will sit back. I, I say this all the time, Josh. The, the Glazers literally sit back when we're talking about Ronaldo. They sit back. They're talking about, does Ronaldo love the club? They're talking about his Champions League ambitions. They're talking about Marcus Rashford. and They're talking about Harry Maguire's captaincy. They're talking what, what side Harry Maguire lines up in the tunnel. They're not talking about us. And I'm just thinking the Glazers absolutely love what we're And here we are, we're doing it. But the Glazers absolutely love what we're doing. I know, I know you've been dying to say it, so I'm use, using McDonald's analogy, which you used before. Do you blame McDonald's or do you blame the kids that flip the burgers? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll put on Twitter, Borche, in regards to that. And actually, not many people usually agree with me. So when a few people do agree with me, I'll take advantage of it. But in regards to that, it was in regards to Jamie Redknapp comments. Jamie Redknapp said, no, the Glazers and United, they spent billions. They spent billions of pounds. They're back the managers. You, start, you need to start blaming the players. And I looked at it, and I don't know why McDonald's came out, but I said, if McDonald's spend billions of pounds hiring these kids who spit in the burgers and show up late for work and can't flip a burger, who are you going to blame for the shit service at McDonald's? You're going to blame the kids, or you're going to blame the people who keep hiring them, rewarding them for failure? I'm just saying, ultimately, you have to pay, you have to sort of look upstairs and blame McDonald's. And ultimately, we're blaming all these little individuals at the club. And I know all of us do here agree that the, the Glazers are the issue, but it's not how it comes across in regards to how we discuss these things and how the media portray things. Yeah, 100%. And we all know the, the Glazers have come in. They, they've they paid a billion on this debt, and we're still 600, what, 600 million in debt in the last 15 years, 17 years. So, and like I was saying, telling you guys off, off camera, if anyone goes into the mega store and buys a 10 cents plastic bag that they put the kits in, you put more money into the club than the actual Glazers. That's where the problem is. Because Sheikh Mansour takes money out of his own pocket. Abramovich took money out of his own pocket. Yeah? It, it's not only that, which you're completely right, Borche, but it's it's taking the money out. Man United could function in, in terms of the money we generate. Exactly well, we don't right. need that. We don't need that sugar daddy, but it's the money coming out. Yeah, exactly right. They just took out how many a couple months ago? A month or so yeah. ago, they took money out. For what what reason? You're you're rewarding yourself for what? No Champions League. Is that what you're re- no trophies in five years? You're rewarding yourself. But your 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 daughters are uh, you're taking money out of the club so your daughters can open up a business so they can go on holidays. You're taking loans out of the Man- Manchester United. This is where people need to re- uh, people need to realize. <laughs> These guys are rinsing the club. They're rinsing the club. And I just don't like the comment there. Tom Brady, they bought this, they they what money did they use for that? Yeah. Well, they what Tampa, Tampa Bay bought. Uh, Brady, they won. They won the Super Bowl, and they're lifting their the trophy like they played. It's not nothing. Nothing's gonna change. Like I don't. I don't even know. I don't. I don't even know. <laughs> honestly, honestly, Tom, I don't know where we go, man. Because these owners, we can we can talk about the owners all day and everything that they've done in the last or haven't done in the last, you know, fifteen years or so. But at the same time, at the same time, the Glazers being in charge doesn't doesn't. You know, it, whether new owners come in doesn't mean Maguire is going to all of a sudden get better football IQ or or the players are going to like how is how is Brentford running more case than us? Look at the, look at the stats; they're they're running all over Do the field. Just that point on Brentford and Brighton as well, and I'll direct this to you towards Josh, and we'll start to wrap up. So just one or two more points, but Josh, on that point, Borche makes there, and you can tie this into Brighton and Brentford themselves, and whoever born with probably in a couple of weeks and. Norwich, or not that Norwich are in the league, but you know, we sort of sort of praise up these players and we look at quality. Okay, Jaden Sancho, quality, 75 million players for England, tore it up at Dortmund, good player. 
Okay, Bruno Fernandes, all those goals and assists. Okay, Rafael Varane, World Cup winner, Champions League winner. Ultimately, when we see all these other players from a Brighton or a Brentford and you watch them play football and you think, well, hang on, he's better than that player. Yeah, he's better than that player. And Man United aren't going to get relegated. But if you start looking at the teams in and around that sort of area, you think, well, hang on, no, they are better than us. No, that's not a shock that they beat us. Maybe 4-0 is a shock. But no, but Brentford, yeah, you can understand how they beat Man United. And ultimately... Obviously, we're not as good as we think we are. Now, a lot of people sort of don't think we're any good. But in terms of the individuals, and obviously you can say Cristiano Ronaldo or you can say Scott McTominay, whatever end of the scale, ultimately, if you look at it, it's just not good enough. Well, I think we, and I know this is the case, we're all guilty of it, but we talk these players up, or not so much talk them up, but we think of them far too much. I feel sorry for Marcus Rashford in regards to how his career sort of skyrocketed. He went from zero to hero overnight. And a lot of us think he's at that hero level in regards to we thought, okay, he's going to continue on that progression. No, it was maybe it was just a good bit, a fine patch of form. And he was never going to be that player. And he is just the player that he is. But we have the expectation of him. He was going to come on be this world-class player, which was never the case. So we're holding him to this standard, which is unachievable and it's unfair, potentially unfair. And I just think, and that is where I hate being critical of a player because here I am, I'm very critical of him. Well, but ultimately, maybe it is a little bit unfair. But Tom, we only going to see last game. You're, 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 you are earning as good as your last game. I mean, look, there's, there's no denying, let's be honest, Marcus Marcus Rashford is a better player than Ivan Tony. That, 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 that is a fact. He's a better player. He's, he's natural, more naturally gifted. Yes. But when, you, but, when you but when you're not playing to your potential, you can look so so much better. Look, someone said on the radio yesterday, look, if, if the quality is not there and not turning up, you're going to get beaten every time. You can get beaten. But, but that's part of it. You're right in talking about the quality. But in terms of and here, Josh, me and you have had this discussion for years, and we always bring it up every time we're having a beer. Scott McTomb and Andreas Pereira, a huge part of being a good player is turning up and being able to perform, not just the quality. I look at myself here, and not to big myself. Look, I'm no good. Didn't make it as a footballer. However, I look at it if I was have a crossbar challenge or something. Me and Phil Jones, I know I'd be better at it than Phil Jones. I know I have better technique. I'm, I'm not a better player. He's ten times better because he's able to perform at the higher level. He's able to do things that I can't do. But ultimately, as a footballer, Marcus Rashford has unreal quality. But to be able to produce what, that and do the basics, he can't. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, like that that problem stems from the recruitment in terms of who they brought in after Sir Alex and who 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 hired him. Like you said, the whole McDonald's thing. Who hired these guys? All right. So you, yeah. All right. Fergie Fergie poor David Moyes in charge, but then. You wanted Mourinho because you thought, oh, look, Pep down the road, he's 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 got an upper hand on um, Pep in the in in Syria um, in in La Liga. Let's get Mourinho in. Let's get Mourinho in. So they they got all, and then you got Van Gaal, and then you got look at the managers that have come across. So when you look at Marcus Rashford, for example, like we're just speaking about him, why does he look lost? Because he's played under fucking fifteen different managers, and yeah. the system from the youth all the way to the first team is completely different. Where Brentford, it's unfair. It's, unfair. Like, it's right, but it is unfair at times, I believe, because of the circumstances, whether it be Marcus yeah. Rush or other individuals. Exactly right. And you look at, like, and, and this is and this is where, like, we, we, we hate bringing it up because it's the players playing, but this is where the owners, if this is, like, what is the philosophy? Where do you want the club to go? You need to have the under-18s, under whatever, playing a certain, a certain um, uh, type of football, right? All the way up to the, all the way up to the first team. That's how we. That's how it has to be. 
Brighton, the guy from Brighton came out and goes, yeah, we from, from the 18s, whatever, we played the same football all the way up. In case someone gets injured, we've got mass injuries. No worries, this player might come in, knows the system. He might not have the quality. He might not be the best in that position, but he knows the system and play it here, run there. They're the runs you should make, but they don't have it here because that the, the investment from the owners hasn't been put into the youth. We've got the women's team squatting to go to the toilets at the training ground because they haven't got facilities for them. And we're Manchester United. The girls in, in, right. in uh, Portaloos. Are you taking the piss? Well, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge point. I mean, one, one I've raised with Tom many, many times this podcast is that our infrastructure is just so inferior, inferior to the rest of the teams around us. I mean, you look, you look at Spurs and Spurs, probably a very similar club to us, but they're probably best in class at a lot of things at the moment. Training grounds, Women's team as well, sort of matching matching the men's at the moment in terms of the quality. You've got this, you've got a world class you've got a world class stadium now. You've got yeah. a world class youth system, which is which probably mirrors Man City and Liverpool at the moment in terms of attracting the young kids that are going to be next in their team. United are just so so far behind, lacking in everything. I mean, there was a time. Don't get me wrong. Last year, winning the youth cup, I think, and I, I said this, I asked this question to. Um, what, who, was, who was on your podcast the other week, Tom? Ben Thornley. I asked this question to Ben Thornley. I, say, I said to him, do, do you not think this was a really, really underrated winning the FA Youth Cup last yeah. year, considering the absolute state of our infrastructure? To win a Youth Cup with, with our quality of youth recruitment at the yeah. moment compared to the likes of City, Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea even as well. Dare I say it as well, Arsenal. Unbelievable achievement. Is that a fear? You're completely right, Josh. Is that a fear, Borcha, in regards to here we all are, unanimous amongst the fan base? Get rid of the Glazers. Glazers out. Now, let's not get into Michael Knight. And I don't think he's serious in this bid, but let's say he's going to come in and buy the club. In terms of buying that club, now, obviously, there's businesses involved, there's investment companies and everything. It's not just one person, but let's say just one person, a sugar daddy comes in. Well, what's meant, you know, valued at a couple of billion pounds. Okay, so you're going to need someone with a couple of billion pounds to buy the club and sort of, sort of wave off that debt. Ultimately, though, Borche, the issues that need addressing at this club in terms of potentially a new stadium, the infrastructure around the training ground, these are multi-million, billion-dollar sort of costs yeah. labelled at the yeah. club. So you're not just going to need someone with three or four billion to buy the club. You're going to yeah. need someone with 20 billion to address the issues. No, exactly, right. And I think Stephen House, and I sent a video today or yesterday, he made that point. He's like, yeah, you're going to need four billion to buy the club, but can you also finance the debt? Can you also... Do fix the training grounds? Can you also fix this? And can you also, regardless of all of that, fix the leaks in the roof? Okay, you know you don't want a new stadium. We can't afford that now. Let's let's patch it up. Let's patch it up as best as we can. Right? Um, then the training grounds. Can we get better training grounds for the women's team? Better better for facilities. And that's not even thinking about the first team. That's that open heart surgery that Ralph was talking about. We still need that fixing. So that's another 300. They need to spend, if for our season to get anywhere near saved, they need to spend 300 million by, by the end of the window. You've got three weeks, 300 million needs to be splashed. I know we went back to don't get rinsed. We, we burnt money. Burn it again. Burn the money again because otherwise, otherwise, I don't know. Yeah, championship. We're going to have to change the logos, change all our templates, everything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? For, for next season. I can't use the same ones. We're going to have to. I don't know what the theme tunes are. I don't know what channel we're watching that on, but it's going to be it's going to be that. And yeah, you're right. Whoever comes in and buys the club, it's not just the 4 billion, it's 
the rest of the stuff that comes with it. Can you finance the debt? Well, just on that point, Josh, the Borcho makes there in regards to issues around, okay, training ground leaks in roof. And, okay, you laugh at that, but that is an issue at Old Trafford, unfortunately. So so all these little issues and you think, well, does that make McTominay misplace a pass? Does that make Fred's first touch? Does that make Harry Maguire's leadership? They're, they're two separate issues that shouldn't affect. However, if you do look at the clubs who are successful, if you do look at Liverpool, if you do look at Tottenham now in terms of what they're doing, a few people um, bring it um, here, Ryan saying, not just plays training ground, stadium, squad depth, operating strategy, light years ahead. So all the clubs who are proving successful at the moment, Tottenham, not that it's successful, but you know what I mean, they're on the right path. Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, City, all these clubs, Bayern Munich, they don't have these issues. They don't have leaks in the roof. The yeah. women's team do have toilets. They yeah. don't have these issues. So these are the issues that need, unfortunately, we want better first touch. We want better players. But ultimately, maybe these are the issues that do need addressing first. Bro, is it... I, I wouldn't say, say, say that first, but I'm saying, look, if you... If, if, look, a dodgy leak doesn't make Scott McTominay a better player. <laughs> what, I'm saying, what I'm saying is, though, look, if you, if you can't be asked to fix your surroundings... How can you expect your owners to be asked to fix the club and the players? Yeah. I mean, I, I can <laughs> tell you first hand now, my seat Old Trafford, Road 13, South Stand 165, it's wonky. Not because <laughs> I piled on the not because I piled on the pounds, but it's wonky. <laughs> That's the way you have to do a weigh-in before you go next time. <laughs> yeah. No, but in, in all in all seriousness, you can't I mean it's like saying if you don't if you don't take pride in your yeah, if you don't take right. pride in yourself, how are you gonna have you know, your surroundings yeah. is going to take pride in it. It's like when you furnish a home, if you don't take pride in it, it's just not exactly. going to look good. It's but even, good yeah, but even with the whole, um, you know, leaks in the roof by McTominay is not going to fix a pass, whatever. He's even cut the grass in the training ground, made it shorter so that the passes are going around a bit quicker. If mm. that were, if that has to happen on, on at Old Trafford, cut the grass shorter. But then again, mm. like you just you forget all the tactics, forget everything else. The, you look at just the eye test. The eye test shows me that. You know, and I said it when I said it when all, um, when Mourinho was about to get sacked. I'm like, we can bring whoever we want in. It's the same players. They're not good enough. When Oli was in, in in his time there, he was about to get sacked. I'm like, bring whoever you want. You can bring Pep, Klopp as the assistant. Ralph as the football director, have anyone. These players are not good enough. These guys need replacing. And I think uh, okay, it's a final straw now for all of them. Okay, that is well, just, just that, that point you make there. I was discussing with Larry, and Larry will be back um, hopefully sometime next week or maybe a little, little bit over a week. He'll be back on the podcast, um, obviously enjoying his trip to Europe and America. But it, it, we're talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and look, here we are sitting. I was a huge fan of Solskjaer. Yes, he needed to be sacked, of course. However, you look back, and this was my fear, and this was my dislike around the narrative of him at the time, was when people were going over the top. Because it was people it was starting to tarnish his legacy, and I think he did not deserve it. It wasn't his fault. Yes, he needed to get sacked, but so many of the issues that he was had, he was the Glazers used him as a punching bag. That it was my fear at the time. I was thinking he doesn't need to be treated like this because, yes, he's probably not good enough. I understand that. But get someone in who is good enough, they're not going to fix the problem. So going in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was just stupid, in my opinion, and that's what sort of did upset me. But we talk about the players there, Borchay. I'll go to Josh. We'll start to wrap up, coming on to an hour on the podcast, which has been a great show. I'm not sure I feel any better. The time it is always good to talk, man. Probably United. Worse. Probably for worse. <laughs> but Josh, in regards to players. I don't know if we got it, if, we, if we put you know, guys in the live chat as well, you know, we can come up with a billion Somehow, four billion. We can maybe because all our ideas. I'm seeing some great ideas in the chat as well. Maybe there's a takeover bid. The no. consortium, the pubcast consortium, comes in takeover. Fingers crossed. I'll give myself the sack on the first day. I'll, I'll take the pay cut. I'll take the wage and um, go running. But Josh, in regards to that, players, 
this wasn't meant to be a review of the match. We did lose 4-0 at Brentford, 3-2-1s. Obviously, we're not going to get into 3 2 one second game of the season. We've already ditched it. Obviously, no one deserving of those um, points. But Ryan, a little bit earlier in the chat, did um, did make me smile. Smile? I don't know. Smile's not the wrong word. I'm not smiling. But we'll bring it back to football. Liverpool next week, 2-1 United. How are you thinking, Josh, in regards to this? Because... Usually there's on match day, you get a little bit of hope and a little confidence. Well, maybe they're going to have an off day. We're going to have a good day. Last time we played Liverpool, that feeling never came around before kickoff. We thought, no, we're going to get smashed 4-0. We went and got smashed 4-0. Maybe it's going to come around come match day next Tuesday morning, our time. Ultimately, the way I'm feeling at the moment. Is that Old Trafford? I understand, okay, there will be a bounce. We'll be interested what the mood is around the ground. Ultimately, though, as I'm sitting here at the moment, the feeling is... Now we'll see what Liverpool do tonight against or the next day against Crystal Palace. As a city now, I think it's five or six nil. Yeah, look, I can't, for me, I can't see anything other than a defeat at all. You could be, could be one. We could play, you know, defensively all right and still lose one nil. I still forget defeat. Forget defeat. I'm talking humiliation again. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't see any, anything else other than annihilation. Liverpool have really had a dodgy first game. I can't see them dropping points against Palace. I think they're playing on their Monday night football. I think they'll win that comfortably. I think for me, yeah, they'll just absolutely wipe the floor of us. We're, we're low on confidence. And when you're low on confidence after a shocking performance like yesterday against Brentford, where, you know, you didn't lose out of bad luck. You, you lost because you couldn't really get the basics of football, right? I can't see them getting the confidence to to recover and put in a, you know, a decent performance. So even one went a point against Liverpool. What I will say, though, is, you know, if somehow, somewhere United managed to get something out of that game, I think the confidence to get out of that for the next two games against Southampton and I think it's uh, Leicester, Southampton and Leicester, maybe the next two games. Wednesday international. That's, that's, that's dreaming. That Boche, I'm waiting for the World Cup. I can't wait for the World Cup to come around. We need an international break ASAP. You know, I've never been to an <laughs> international break. I'm looking at the I can't, I, I'll tell you what I can't wait for. I can't wait for you, me, and Larry Tom to get our Stan Sports subscription next month and cancel it in December. Yeah. I know. I'll be keeping it for the Conference League. Well, I'm going to get, oh, who knows, this fourth in the Europa League group stage, go to the Conference League. But look, I've already Googled the conference um, final is in Prague um, next season. If anyone is interested in booking flights, I've already looked at accommodation because I'd love nothing more than to go to Europa Conference League final because I've looked at the teams in the Europa League. The situation we're in at the moment, um, that's not happening. Um, and that's before the teams even drop down to the Champions League. Yeah. But we'll start to wrap up because it's just been, it's yeah. clocked over an hour on my time. So Borche, obviously the link to Borche's um, channel, if you want more content from Borche, is in the description below. So go give him a follow. But is there any parting words or anything I've missed, Borche, in regards to anything Man United related? I don't know, man. Not not really. <laughs> but in terms of the Liverpool game, look, we've, we've I know we lost our first game. But we did move our bench to the away side now. So, you know, we, we've even tried that. You know, we even tried to pretend to be the away team and we still get the, defeated. Um, I don't know. Look, there's no hope at the moment. Hopefully, I don't know. <laughs> no matter what we say, no matter what players come in in the next couple of weeks or so, I don't know, man. Open heart surgery. Ralph said it. No one wanted to believe him and here we are. Here we are. Well, he's, Jose and Ralph Frank must just be sitting back with a cigar thinking, what did I say? <laughs> Even even Oli is probably joining. Oli's brought yeah. the cigars to the party. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, break soon. I'll be I'll be buying. I'll be I'll, I'll I'll give my I'll give my left hand, bro, for um that vibes FC. You know, the free remember the freestyle football, Tom, that everyone was talking about mm-hmm. vibes FC, and you know that that comeback, the away record for the comebacks that doesn't mean anything. I'll mm-hmm. I'll take that right now, any day of the week, any of that football. 
But um, yeah, let's just fingers crossed something happens and um, you know the the season. I mean, it can only go up, eh? Well, the, the, the longer you, the longer you go losing, the longer you go losing, Josh, the closer we are to our next win. Now is that going to come against Liverpool? Who knows? We're forty points away from safety. Forty points away. From a, um, we've already got our first trophy anyway, Bangkok Cup. So we can have that selection. If anything. Well, if Liverpool lose against Palace, we'll only be one point off Palace, um, one point off Liverpool going into that match. We should have it on display when Liverpool relegation. Oh, would you love a relegation battle against Liverpool and like flip them on the last day, sort of thing? The final day is going to be interesting. <laughs> we're, we're, we're hoping the final day would be a title decider or maybe top four Champions League spot. <laughs> we'll be looking at bloody Bournemouth and Leeds, uh, looking at their results on, on Twitter. But um, it has been a pleasure. As I said, I'm not sure if I feel better after that chat. Probably I do, but it's one of those ones where you just do sort of have to get things off your chest and, and look at things through. It's, it's not even 24 hours since the result, unfortunately. As I said, it was a 2.30 a.m. kickoff for us here in Sydney, but an absolute pleasure. Apologies, the live chat has been flying, so apologies for not getting to um, as, much, as many comments as I usually do, but I do appreciate all the opinions and the discussion in there. Big thanks, obviously, to Borche. And Josh as well. Josh, the menu on the Saturday, a couple of weeks, Saturday, 27th of August, the Man United Supporters Club will be at Scruffy Murphy's. As you can see, there's a banner below. If you are in Sydney and do want to sign up, we'll be having our first match night. It's a 9.30pm um, kickoff, um, so we can get to bed early after the disappointment away at Southampton. Um, if you are in Sydney, feel free to come down to the pub and have a few beers. Come say hi. And um, we'll maybe record a podcast, etc. when we're down there. But um, absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Absolutely, yeah. I say pleasure, you know what I mean. It's it's been an absolute nightmare, but I did enjoy the chat. But until then, we'll, we'll chat to everyone. Who knows? When a bit of breaking news. Who knows? Rabio might be announced in a couple of minutes when um, the club hit the panic button and decided to get some news out there. His mum. Um, <laughs> if his mum lets him play. But until then, we'll chat to everyone soon. Until then, cheers. Bye. Yes. Good night, guys.